Hello everyone, welcome to another Ismono podcast. Before I start this episode, I just wanted to let you know that this episode or the podcast overall is not sponsored, at least not yet. But it is supported by all of the people on Patreon. So if you want to support my content, be it all of the videos on my main channel, or you want to support the podcast or the content that you can consume on Instagram, then check out my Patreon at you know the bow. I thank all of you who are supporting me on Patreon, who are watching my videos and who are listening to this podcast. Thank you very much. And now let's start the episode. Hello everyone, welcome to another Ismono podcast. And in this episode, I have James from Gear Talk, but also from the podcast Form and Function, on which I was a guest a few weeks ago, two weeks ago, maybe. Um, yeah, but welcome, James. I'm happy that you are finally on my podcast before I was on your podcast. And yeah, welcome. Thank you, Bo. Um, I'm, it's, it's a pleasure to be here. Um, it's a pleasure. I mean, it's always a pleasure to talk to you, but I, I kind of, we're, we're entering a whole new world of, of kind of almost real interaction yeah. rather than just through Instagram or that kind of stuff. So exactly. This is great fun. Can you maybe, I believe that many people of the EDC world know your Instagram, but for those people who don't know you, can you give us a quick introduction of who you are and what you do? Um, um, who, who I am and what I do. Um, not, not, not a lot and not much, but yeah. Um, uh, so, so I started, uh, my Instagram about crikey, maybe eight, nine years ago. And it was purely a personal page to, to take pictures of stuff I liked. And it happened to be that one of the things I liked was, was Swiss army knives. So it started out with pen knives and very particularly, um, Alox pen knives. Mm. So the ones that are kind of little aluminium scaled sort of dotted scales coming in lots of colors. Um, and, and people seem to react to that really positively on Instagram. And, and most importantly, people like reached out and it opened up loads of conversations yeah. and I started to chat to people properly and it opened up this whole internet world as more than just a place to consume content. And it was one way to engage with people. Mm. So my Instagram really was just a place for me to, to combine uh, a growing, at the time, a growing love of photography, of, of you know, messing around with cameras mm -hmm. or, or a continued love of messing around with cameras um, and a way to, to talk to other people who enjoy EDC. Yeah. And, and then as time went on, it became more than just those pen knives. It became, uh, you know, flashlights or torches and, and all the other paraphernalia that goes along the EDC world. <laughs> And uh, and actually, people like you, the the people that kind of delve into the other parts of it of the mm -hmm. EC world, like bags and and just other gear, watches as well. What watches too? Mm. The watches weirdly is a is relatively separate in some ways, mm -hmm. as in the watching. It's a it's a strange kind of value jump between. EDC, well, I, I imagine course. we'll get into this anyway. But the, yeah. into EDC and watches, if you see what I mean, they, they, there's a huge gap between mm. the kind of um, investment, rather. Yeah, yeah, kind of where you can go with them. I, mm. I know you can spend a lot of money on knives, but yeah, but compare that to how much you can spend on watches. It, it the watch world is perhaps a less obviously friendly place or approachable. <laughs> Like the, the barrier to entry is much, much greater. <laughs> That's true. So it's one really that I kind of made friends almost more in person first on that. And mm. then it came and then kind of reconnected through through Instagram and things. Yeah. Whereas with EDC, it, it was the other way around. And I, yeah. you know, I've met people and, and got to know people through 
through that. Uh, but they weirdly in my head for some reason that they're two separate things. Mm. Um, but but they're not, as you say. I, and then posting, and I've really enjoyed over the last couple of years. I've wound back an awful lot the amount of stuff I post on on my Instagram, not for any kind of deliberate reason, mm. but but just a, a slight move. I spend far more time in watches than I did on the EDC stuff, or rather, I got I, I wasn't getting as much new EDC stuff. And therefore, I figured it was more boring to people. Yeah, I mean, on the other hand, it's how much innovation can you expect from a knife, right? So yeah. it's, I mean, that that's probably a very hot take that I'm now going <laughs> to say. But in the end, it's just a grip, scales, and a blade and yeah. most of the time. And... I think it's also very important to say that you and I we are on the European side of the world. Yes. So that's so our understanding and our what we are allowed to carry around is very limited compared to somewhat other parts of the world. Um therefore I find that Swiss Army knives is a very cool um space that you are in. And compared yeah. to regular, regular and air quotes knives, there's so much more on it. But I mean, there's a bottle opener for one. <laughs> one. <laughs> so, but I do understand why you pivoted or where why your interests are now more leaning in the watch area than a knife. Totally understandable. Fun enough, another element to to one of the reasons, not not a deliberate reason, but a reason I semi stepped back was the photography quality mm. of Instagram changed about three or four years ago. Yeah. By that, I mean it went up really dramatically. The The number of very, very talented photographers and people that really got into the photography, be, mm. it, be it, you know, in, in actual photography or be it kind of computational stuff or be it actually sure. on, a, on a, you know, in, in an editing software. But nonetheless, the quality of the f f stuff out there was going up and up and there were kind of I'm trying to think of some examples but um all all kind of spun out of the Pete's pirate life YouTube yeah, yeah. thing and there were an Instagram I think picked up on a lot of that yeah and but, that sorry go on. no no I, uh, I just wanted to say it maybe this shows shows our age a little bit but the barrier of entry is so much different and so easier nowadays than when we started. I mean, just getting a good camera nowadays is mm. so much easier because basically everyone has a good camera in their pockets with their yeah. phones. And back then, it was so much more difficult to actually shoot something decent in terms of equipment also lighting equipment i, I remember <laughs> when i started lighting equipment was so expensive and now you can get a pretty decent smallish square led light for about 100 bucks and sometimes even for 30 bucks if you want to go really really cheap and just that fact alone makes it so much easier to create beautiful shots opposed to or compared yeah. to what we went through 20 years ago But I think I'm I'm also intrinsically lazy. I think there's that kind of uh, that learning all these things. I mean, so you know, I can do basic editing on a photograph, but but the quality we're talking about is really really professional, frankly. 
And that's, mm-hmm. you know, it, it, the way I see it is when, when I first started, so, so Tom, Notorious DC was, he was the first person, first kind of content that I saw that was of a level where the quality of the photography yeah. was right up there. And yeah. he really stood out in the early days. True. Um, he's still a brilliant photographer for obvious mm. reasons. He hasn't stopped being a good photographer, but a lot of other people have caught up. Yeah. So there's a lot of that level content out there. And, mm. I, and I'm lazy and I basically figured that I take pretty much all of my photography. I don't use artificial lighting. I just use windowsills yeah. and that sort of thing. So and I live in, in the grey, dreary UK. So we have a lot of very flat, <laughs> boring light, which doesn't necessarily make for interesting photographs. Or Same makes for here in Hamburg. Yeah, and when it gets dark at four thirty in the afternoon, you're you're kind of you lose the light pretty quickly. Yeah. Um. So I, I, I was happy to leave it to to these pros, frankly. Yeah. Or, or rather, these these amateur pros, if you see what I mean. So the people who totally. are just just you know putting the effort in. Understandable. Um. <laughs> But now we talked a little bit about you leaving the EDC or kind of pausing the EDC space, but maybe you can tell us a little bit, how did you get into EDC and specifically your signature piece, the Swiss Army Knife? How did it start? Um, I was, I think like a lot of people, I was given my first Swiss Army Knife, I, I mean, before time began almost. You know, <laughs> I, they've, been, they've always been around. I, you know, my grandmother, my grandmother was probably the first, I, I'm sure my father had I'm not sure. I know my father had a number of Swiss Army knives around, and they're sort of big, fat ones, the full multi-tool jobs. Mm. Um, but my grandmother had a little um, executive, I think, with white, with mm. white celadol scales. Yeah, yeah. Had that in her, maybe in her handbag or in her purse or something. I remember coming across that and just like this is. I, I don't know how old I would have been, but just believing it was the coolest thing in the world ever. Yeah. Um, That I, I, weirdly, that's where my love of the executive comes. That's, oh, that's cool. if, if I was to pick one Swiss Army knife, that's it, the executive. And the, yeah. it comes in Celador only. I've got a load of custom ones because I'm not going to stick with just Celador. I'm not sure. <laughs> I'm too far down the rabbit hole for that craziness. Um, but, but, um, and I think from there, it just, it just kind of dripped on. Mm. And I was, I was given another, uh, I, I think I dabbled in other multi tools and things and, um, and then I came across, oof, uh, I, my memory for dates is terrible, but let's say, let's say maybe 2009, maybe 2010, I came across a small Danish website that sold limited runs of, I think, green and then oh, blue yeah. with, with a little red yeah. Victorinox symbol, Alloc scales. Mm. I think they came in in 84 mil only initially and then maybe like a pioneer sized ones and that 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 opened the door to alox yeah. I, i think i got a couple of those at, at peanuts by modern standards you know sort of 20 quid a pop yeah. got a few of those loved them got some more and then swiss bianco came on my radar who are who were who was frankly that he's the the chap who is look up swiss bianco on instagram um, he, he, he had a connection, I think of Victorinox and he used to produce runs of maybe 50 or a hundred awesome colors. He could basically ask for whatever color colors he wanted. And he just did, you know, run, maybe do like four or five runs every six months. Mm-hmm. And I, you know, the, a new run would be announced and I, and I'd buy a couple of bits. You couldn't buy it in the, this was telling you how, realizing how long ago this was, you couldn't buy this sort of stuff very easily. 
So I used to have to buy it through Canada and oh, then wow. get them to ship it into the UK. <laughs> Bizarrely. Um, <laughs> the good I old mean, days. Comparatively, um, those with all of the those shipping costs and custom fees, they are still or have been still have been cheaper than some of the knives that I have seen in the EDC world. I mean, Swiss Army knives are a very yeah. easy um, barrier of entry into the EDC world. I mean, I've I've seen one knife a few weeks ago, which was somewhat like 300 or 400 euros. No, USD, but still. And I was like, wow. Uh, yeah, <laughs> it's a crazy. A couple of minutes on the Victorinox website and you can see how much the prices have gone up. Yeah. You know, if you want one of the kind of limited ones, you're, yeah, it starts at, let's say, 110 euros or 100 euros or something, and it and it goes up from there. And like you say, many hundreds. Yeah. And if you go for like a, something fun with like a Damascus blade or oh, something like that, then, yeah. then you know, 400, 400 euros isn't that weird. And that that's a change. Yeah. You know? But then again, like your favorite one, the the um was it the the super it tinker the super tinker yeah you can the fact that that is as good as any of these things we're talking about and mm. and you can pick that up for what thirty euros probably? yeah it's really cheap it's uh, that's the craziness about Victorinox and that's mm. so you can I think it has that wonderful thing where you can spend twenty thirty quid you know per knife and have a whole collection of them or you can spend a ton more and and then you can you know roll into the whole other bit of the knife world or the EDC mm. world but. Um, they've they've always been quite a like democratized, but really consistent good quality. I think I always enjoyed that fact. I like quality. I the the you know the kind of the starting my own or, or starting with some other people, some podcasts with some people who we shared things of just liking really good stuff. You know, we realised we like a lot of things, a lot mm -hmm. of objects, a lot of bits of gear we have with us, or you know, just general kind of gear and technology. Realising that quality is is the universal connector of all those yeah. things and and victorinox can comfortably play in a world of 300 pound knives yeah because the quality's there it it does the job it's a tool what i don't understand is why almost no other brand besides leatherman or maybe gerber as far as i know doesn't take inspiration from swiss army knife um i think in the podcast that we talked about i was saying that these flipper knives or these expensive one-handed knives i really struggled to open bottles with them <laughs> and i feel that a bottle opener is such an important tool um why some knife brands don't kind of innovate on that most of the time, these expensive knives only have a blade. But why yeah. not include something, or maybe a screwdriver? Why not include a screwdriver in the handle or something? And that would be cool. And I do not understand why no other, let's say, in air quotes, traditional knife brand, why they just stick to okay, let's make a different blade. Let's use different steel. Let's put a thumbstand on there. Now let's make the same knife with a flipper. Why not kind of, I don't know, make it more of a tool? Yeah. It's weird, right? I, mean, I guess the James brand have done a bit of that, haven't they? Yeah, 
Yeah, that's true. James um, Brent, yeah. Thinking of, of I, I, okay, so I, I have one theory and, and it's it's something that I, I, I'll be honest, I don't spend much time on the forums and things these days. Um, I used to spend a bit more on the various Victorinox forums mm-hmm. and there used to be a lot of talk and a lot of reports of Victorinox being really litigious. They would go after people. They had oh. clearly a big old budget for going after people who were basically stealing their, their IP. And that's, in my mind, that, you know, it created an environment where no one, just, why, why would you? You know, see, why why risk? It's it's like in the watch world, Rolex is the equivalent. Yeah. You, you mess with that green brand, you know, with that green, green crown, um, and they will come after you. It doesn't matter how big True. or small you are, they will come after you, and their lawyers will be more expensive than yours. Mm. And that's, it's as simple as that. It's that they will throw money at it until you're crushed. And that's, it's uh, sadly, I think that's, it's it's quite a Swiss thing, fun enough, mm. thinking of Rolex and Victorinox and, <laughs> um, you know, they, they protect their IP. And I mm. think, I mean, there used to be, there's another Swiss army knife brand called Venga. I'm, I'm butchering the name, I'm sure. So it's okay. spelled W-E-N-G-E-R. And they, they were for, for many, many, many years, they were the competition for Victorinox. By that, I mean they actually provided the Swiss Army with pen knives. They provided many other militaries in Europe with pen knives. And then they were bought by Victorinox. I see. 20, 30, 40 years ago. I'm not really sure of the dates. but Mm. So they were the direct competition. They produced something that looked like a pen knife. Interesting. And there's, there were some quirks. You can still you can still get Venga. If you imagine, picture the Victorinox symbol um, and then picture a, a, the Swiss cross, but mm. in a sort of uh, a, a squared or a, a sort of a sharper angled shield, if you see what I mean. So a, a nuanced mm. yeah, difference. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I see so it not, it's, it's sort of, it's, I mean, it's yeah. it's micro changes, isn't it? But yeah. Nonetheless, it looks they, very similar. Yeah. You pick them up and you go, well, that's a pen knife, isn't it? That's a that's a Swiss Army knife, mm. and I think they competed on Swiss Army knife, and it wasn't until they were bought out by Victorinox and Victorinox gradually sure. closed down all of their lines. Um, but there was a lot of crossover between them. They mm-hmm. had the same for a, for a good couple of decades. The way you know you could get the Super Tinker. Ma- Wenger made a version of the Super Tinker. Wenger yeah. made a version of, you know, the Swiss Champ. The, all these sort of things, mm. um, and and some other cool ones too. Some bizarre ones with other tools. A bit of innovation, but it was all closed down once, you know, gradually yeah. kind of swallowed up into the into the monster that is Victorinox. <laughs> speaking of way. speaking of all of these tools, what's your what's your current EDC? What's in your pocket? Um, well, fun enough, but actually, I have, I have, other than my phone, um, I have absolutely nothing. About three meters away, though, I have all of my EDC. So I have, um, so basically, the, the, my, today's EDC I, mm-hmm. is, is in my bag downstairs. I'm currently recording this up in, up in my bedroom at the top of my house. In the West Where wing. my sort of dressing room is, or my kind of dressing cupboard yeah. is. And that's where my EDC gear lives. I have three big, um, sort of, tool cabinets okay um, so what's your go-to then on the let's say my, you go to work what's your go-to um my go-to would be and that's quite an easy one really uh, at the moment um it is so the flashlight is the cwf uh, so is it 
Charles Wiggins flashlights. I may have oh, killed that. CWF flashlights. They make okay. horribly expensive, but really, really beautiful custom flashlights. And I have a titanium one with a zirconium finish. Oh, wow. Um, it's a little, it's sort of the size of it is maybe like triple A-ish, maybe double A sort of size. That's but it's beautiful. those are really cool. Um, uh, the pen knife is a is a. I'm afraid another. Sorry, I have to bore people on this, but it's another custom. Um, when you've been doing it as long as perhaps we have, mm. there's a point where you end up with a lot of. I say custom. That that sounds really grand. I just mean <laughs> things that have been kind of modified. Mm -hmm. And so I have I have a custom. I have a couple of custom titanium scaled executives, mm -hmm. which I really love. Those are the things that I carry most. Those on a little, a little hook. So, yeah. I have, so in the keyring, I have a little. I think it's made by Tech Accessories, T E C Accessories, who make a little. They've they've made it for right. This was an item I bought maybe a decade or plus ago, and ah, I've used okay. them ever since. I have a ton yeah. of them. They they they're a perfect way to carry a a pen knife and have it suspended mm -hmm. in your pocket. Yeah, yeah. One of those, those funny things of carrying a penknife is it gets lost in your pocket a bit. Yeah. So having some way to suspend it, but I don't, I don't like having my key suspended like that. So I want to have my knife accessible, and that yeah. the, the executive has scissors, uh, a knife, um, a little flathead screwdriver. No, yeah. no Phillips head, sadly. Um, what else? There's a, probably a couple of other random bits that nobody uses. It does have a little <laughs> bottle opener style thing. Yeah. Um, which doubles as I don't know something to scratch behind your ear or something, but it's it's yeah it's a it's a it's sort of it's a weird the executive is a weird size Victorinox. Mm, agreed. Um, but I I enjoy that. Um, and then uh, what am I missing? The pen wallet. Um, so wallet. Fun enough. My favorite wallet and the only wallet. I don't actually carry this much. It's in it's in my bag. Mm -hmm. Um, and it's a it's made by a company called Pioneer. You'll probably know. Yeah, I know. Um, those are nice. Pioneer, they do one called, I think, the Molecule, mm -hmm. and it's just a card wallet, basically. Okay. Uh, I love that the material it's made of. Yeah. I have like the first generation. I think they Very have a newer generation. Yeah, super basic. Um, it, it holds maybe six cards, maybe yeah. eight cards, and then I have you know like an ID and that sort of stuff. And I think I only have maybe three cards, an ID, um, uh, and that's about it. Mm. in it it's super minimal but that's it's it's waterproof it, it protects the cards i mean they're plastic so they don't really need protecting but it, it protects them from rubbing and that sort of stuff yeah it protects your pocket from them keeps them together and it's tough as anything i've had that for four or five years i went through a whole process of trying out different wallets and and fun enough they were kind enough to actually send me not that one i had bought that one myself but they sent me a number of other different ones they have mm. and in the end i settled on that one it's just being a really simple card wallet. Um, but you always keep your wallet in your backpack? Um, yes, because I don't, there's no need for a, a wallet these days. There's mm. no, the, I, I, I haven't used cash for years, I would say. Yeah. Uh, I don't, I, I, everything's on my phone. So you, you know, uh, I pay for absolutely everything. You yeah, know, you, yeah. you double click the side, I have, a, have an Apple um, iPhone and you double click the side and, and all of my cards and store cards and mm. all that sort of stuff all, are all there. Yeah, okay, uh, makes sense. I, I couldn't, weirdly, it's, it's just, it, it's, I love it. As someone that quite enjoys the carrying less, sounds yeah. weird to someone who's into EDC, but, you know, having a minimal EDC, yeah. that allowed me to just 
no longer have to carry the wallet. It's not about carrying less. I think it's about carrying efficiently. And yeah, that's yeah, good way it. yeah. But I would love to go completely walletless, but Germany is not Germany, but so many stores are still so old school in terms of that uh, you can pay with your debit card or with a credit card, but sometimes those those scanners or those terminals aren't working with your phone or with NFC payment. So Surely really, they have to give it to you for free then. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. It's not your fault, is it? It's okay. <laughs> so it's really annoying sometimes then you hold up your phone to it and then they say, oh, it doesn't work. And then you have to get your, your wallet anyway. So it's really annoying. Germany is so behind when it comes down to digital things sometimes. So the thing that made the difference here, the thing that kind of went from being a bit like that, you had maybe like an 80% success rate. You mm. could use it in 80% of places. The thing that pushed it basically to 100 or, or near enough was COVID. Yeah. The, the desire to move away from actual money, mm. away from touching things, away from typing in a pin specifically. Yeah. It, it changed it completely. And and so I think the government here, there used to be restrictions on the maximum limit of things you could use. Yeah. And indeed, there used to be a, a, a different limit on what you could do in your through your phone. Yeah. So there was what you could tap with your card and then there's what you could do with your phone. And I think the, initially, the phone one was much higher. So you could pay for more expensive things yeah. with your phone than you could with, with just tapping the card. It's so much better. And then they basically removed the, the limit for the card, yeah. I'm sure that there might be one now, but having not carried, having not really used the cards for so long, I don't really know. Um, you know what really annoys me in Germany or IKEA? IKEA is a place where I'm really annoyed. They have these terminals <laughs> where you can pay with your phone or with your credit card or debit card. However, you always have to sign for that payment, and I feel like signing is the most stupid and <laughs> security feature ever. No one controls it. Maybe you have a bad day. You s how you sign is, yeah. looks always different. And I, why that still is, I don't know. Also, a four-digit pin is also something in terms of security is so stupid. I, I just don't get it. Why we don't move to much more secure things. <laughs> it's, especially with money and debit cards and credit cards it's really annoying Germany's a little bit behind <laughs> which I so, find weird I find yeah. that strange to comprehend yeah um you're such Same. a you're such a technologically kind of or engineering focused country so yeah. certainly from an outside point of view as like a generalization thinking of the number of amazing brands that come out of Germany Oh, you know what it is? I think it's the same, it's equivalent to the good-looking sports guy in high school or the cheerleader girl in high school. They've been so long on the top, they they forgot oh. how to struggle. I think that's okay. the reason why. I think so many people were like, oh, German engineering is so good. And I feel sometimes the Germany kind of, yeah, was getting a little bit lazy when it comes down to improving stuff and no other I mean take Japan for an instance the only country that had two major atomic incidents that put the country back so far in 
they recovered so quickly because they had to endure. And obviously Germany also had to endure, but I feel sometimes I feel like we got lazy because everyone thought that Germany is the greatest country for for German engineering and stuff like that, that yeah, we forgot how to improve instead we kind of got lazy at least to me it feels like that so so as a as a british person i hear that and i'm and i'm i so i i I very much voted against brexit against leaving Mm -hmm. the european union it's the stupidest thing yeah um i won't go into that because i'll just i'll just get upset but one (laughs) of the one of and i i genuinely heard this or came across this on instagram so you know um take it with a pinch of salt but someone suggesting that it was leaving Europe or leaving the EU was beneficial to the UK because just that it would light a fire under us. We'd suddenly realize that we're, mm. we, we have to work harder to get, de- to get stuff. Interesting. And what a stupid concept in my mind is in like that idea that, oh yeah, we're going to, we're going to make deliberately make life difficult for our, for our various sectors to do business, mm. to make them work better. That's stupid. I think to make something deliberately difficult compared to having a tragedy and therefore having much more, I don't know the right word, much more passion in air quotes. I don't know if that's the right term to actually want to improve something or to rebuild is totally different than to say, okay, we'll make it difficult now. So let's, let's just roll what, the dice and yeah, see how it has, see how it goes. What yeah, a crazy stupid argument! <laughs> it's yeah. I mean, I can't. I, I don't remember what the source was. It's yeah. one that I probably don't spend much time reading. But it's yeah. It kind of it's created a very strange environment. Yeah. In the UK, um, one of two sides thinking of we've been quite a, a, a kind of uni- unified country in lots of ways, but that created a real divide. Very strange. Yeah, I think the whole world is so eager sometimes in dividing itself whatever it might be and any i feel like any discussion that we have is all about creating sides and instead of trying to figure out how to get on one side and or not creating a side but trying to solve something it's more about i'm on this side therefore i'm better mm. than you and it's so stupid we're tribal yeah, the human race is a tribal yeah. species, and that's it's it's, it's it does yeah. nothing but create division. Yeah. So going back to EDC, um, I was just about to ask you. You said the wallet, but you haven't told us about your watch. But before, instead of asking you what watch you wear, I want to ask you as a EDC enthusiast. How do you decide which watch you want to wear or which knife you want to carry considering your collection is fairly big? For instance, I'm always, I have not a huge collection of watches, maybe four or five, plus my smartwatch. And I'm having so much difficulties to actually decide what watch I wear and therefore I just opt for the easiest which is the smartwatch and just wear that one because I can't, just can't decide. <laughs> it's so difficult sometimes. <laughs> so how do you decide I'd, which I'd, watch? I'd love 
to have some kind of magic um, <laughs> solution to say, oh, yeah, this is how I, you know, like a, a sort of a dice I roll that has them all listed or something. That would be brilliant. Yeah. Um, no, it's, it's, it's pretty random. Um, that I have, I have about 20 watches. Um, I've been reducing a bit, so maybe I might be down to maybe 18 now, but mm -hmm. far too many to have in any kind of normal rotation. So, and they tend, but they tend to fit into slightly different sections from each other. So depending on what I'm doing, maybe narrows it down to maybe five or six watches. Yeah. Um, and, and then I, I almost take watches different to EDC, but I almost take thought out of it and just pick one. Um, and sometimes um, it, it's the same one for like a week on end. Oh, okay. Um, which is crazy when you've got that, when I'm, when I'm lucky enough to have so many watches. But mm. I'd say realistically, I rotate between maybe six watches, get most of the wrist time. And the others tend to be for specific things. Or, or And that's partly because my normal day-to-day -day life is is of a fairly repetitive Yeah thing okay. and then every now and again you'll do things that allow a slightly different type of watch again the, the the danger of talking about edc or watches or to someone like me who on one hand loves to talk and loves the sound of his own voice and on the other <laughs> hand can can absolutely justify almost anything to himself means that i persuade myself that this is you know like this is a particular reason to have this watch. This is a reason to have this watch. And this is mm -hmm. to have. And I divide them up into all these concepts of why I have this and why I have that to justify having them all. The fact is, I mean, like the watch. So the watch I'm wearing today is a is a um, Tudor Black Bay Fifty Four. Oh, nice. Um, and yeah. that's I, frankly, I could wear this every day. Yeah. And be perfectly happy. It's a it's a brilliant watch. It can pretty much do anything. You know, it's a diver watch, so it's it's tough. It'll keep on ticking whatever you do to it. Um, do it doesn't get... look particularly expensive in the sort mm. of like flashy way. Yeah. I mean, obviously it does look expensive, but not in that sort of you know, like um, yeah. blingy way. Yeah, I see. So you could wear it in environments where you're not, you know, when you're a little bit worried. I, yeah. I lived in London for 12 years and genuinely, if I still lived there, the decision as to what watch I would wear, I'd probably choose between three watches in my in my whole collection yeah. for watches that I will actively wear out and about in London. Do you sometimes get overwhelmed that you think I have too many watches and I have too many knives? Yeah, all the it, time. This decision making I, is too much for me. <laughs> um, I, I'll give you a... So I used to have... The, the Alox obsession had got to the point where I had a hundred and something Alox wow. knives. I've cut that down to about, I think I'm probably at about 40 or 50 or so. And and in reality, some of them are quite rare and, and as a result, quite valuable now. And as sad as it is, I don't tend to carry those. There are some, like some of my most valuable ones are ones that I've always carried mm. and, and they've just got battered and beaten up and therefore clearly aren't valuable in the same way. But yeah. Um, so, yeah, I mean, the the... Choice paralysis is a thing, isn't it? Yeah. It's it's, uh, and I'm I'm spoiled to have such a choice, but uh, I'm I'm pretty relaxed about it. I you know you kind of you, yeah, you just pick something. Okay, then <laughs> I know I'm... that's not helpful, but no, purely but... because otherwise you get really kind of like anal. You know, I'm I'm have a tendency to get anal about it. So I kind of the the um, I've just realised I used a word that's a very British use of a word that's going to translate very strangely to people. Um, but is it yeah. just a British word? 
Maybe it's not a, a British word, but it's it's um well I mean it's it's English, but it's yeah. um it's yeah it's a like I think so Americans say that as well, right? To be anal yeah, that, yeah. yeah. Um, it's just quite old. For, like an, anally retentive is the okay. full expression. <laughs> okay, um, and it it yeah it just sounds wrong, doesn't it? It just sounds well, like it's um well not wrong, but it sounds it's you know I mean we're talking yeah you know yeah. It's, uh, it's, yeah. <laughs> All right, then um, I will put I you on more. the spot now. And if you had to decide on one loadout, phone, wallet, keys, um, watch, knife, and pen for the okay. rest of your life. Okay. Um, okay, so phone, phone, ooh, I find a phone would be the hardest because that's the one where the technology changes all the time. So the phone is the one... But so iPhone basically. Mm -hmm. So if okay. I can say that I'll just move with the iPhone trends, sure. then I get like that's picking my phone lane, should we say? Mm -hmm. Um, wallets. I frankly, I'm very happy with that. That Pioneer. little, yeah. yeah. I think some of the letterings come off, but other than that, it's it's it'll keep on ticking. Mm -hmm. So until it dies, I love leather stuff, and I have yeah. a, a number of leather wallets that I love, but they they get grim after a while mm. you know you have to look after them all that sort of stuff whereas sure. this material is just tough as nails yeah and it keeps its color and it yeah it's so so i'm happy to stick with that that pioneer wallet um so on my keys i have a little swiss army knife little uh, classic alox one a little you, one of one of my original danish ones mm -hmm. um, you don't I use the key organizer then i don't funny enough partly because a number of we we still in the uk have a lot of those big keys. Uh, like chunky keys mm, uh, i, I want to call them like a like a chub key or something or like mm. a i don't think that really describes them but basically the the chunky old style yeah keys and and for example my uh my actually my house doesn't have them anymore i got rid of them um but my office does and that's so it's just it, it never worked sadly for mm. me I, i love the concept really enjoy the concept but it's never worked okay. um Uh, what's the next bit? Um, flashlight, the the one I mentioned before, that CWF, mm -hmm. I could happily stick with that, I think, for, for EDC, certainly. I'd quite like other lights for bigger things. But um, what else? What have I forgotten? Um, watch and Ooh. the knife or multi-tool. Um, apologies, my dog is barking in the background. Um, uh, knife. So am I allowed to say a pen knife or, or does it need to be a knife knife? And any, because um, um, I think cutting it, stuff, <laughs> cutting item in your pocket, a cutting item. Okay. Or a tool. I, I kind of, I, I kind of love that executive. Mm -hmm. If I'm honest, it's, it's small. It's not good for bigger knife stuff to so actually know. No, I'll scrap that. Um, and I'll say something with a little bit of a bigger blade. So I have a custom cadet. So very similar just a bit bigger um, and it has scissors added. So I think they used to call it a Voyager was the kind of more official name yeah, for when, yeah. when they once upon a time used to make it as an actual one. That would be my choice for the knife. So again, I'm afraid very boring. Um, and then... I don't think it's boring because don't forget most of the people listening to this are probably in the US. So I think even if we are very used to Swiss Army knives, mm, I... True do believe that not many US listeners are actually used to using a Victorinox knife. So I don't think it's bo a boring choice. 
I don't either, but it's, <laughs> <laughs> but it, it kind of, it sounds like I'm repetitive in, in just yeah. always talking about those. Understandable. That, they're kind of my jam. I, I have yeah. other knives that I enjoy. And I find I've, actually, I'll tell you what, I'll pick just for, for interest sake. If I had to have a, a single bladed knife, so like mm -hmm. a proper knife in inverted commas, it still would have to be a slip joint because I live in Europe. Sure. Um, so the Spyderco Pingo, do you remember those? Mm-hmm. Um, with the weird shaped blade, I love those. I have, I have never three had of one them. In my hand, um, actually. Do you? Okay, yeah. I've never um, had them. Oh, you've never had them in hand? Oh, okay. No, I've never had um, a Spyderco in front of me. I only know Spyderco from pictures. Never had them. They are they're cool knives. I mean, I, I've handled a load of them. I've owned a few. Uh, basically, I've owned the UK legal ones. So mm -hmm. I think there's there's been a few. The Pingo is long discontinued. I think you can probably still pick them up on on you know, various things. But yeah, um, I, I've been longing to get some custom scales for them. I quite like custom scales. I think they've probably come across by now. But I and if I could get some custom scales for those, um, that would be great. But essentially, yeah, the the Spyderco Pingo would be my choice for that. It's mm. um, a nice one. Uh, and then I guess the hardest one for me is probably watch. Yeah, understandable. And, and I think I'm the watch I'm wearing is is a contender certainly. But actually, I think if I've just got one watch, then I think I would go. I have an Omega Railmaster. Oh wow! In thirty six mil. Mm -hmm. So it's it's small. Um, it's a bit of a strap monster, and you can you can put lots of different straps on it, and so so change the aesthetic of it a bit. Is a do I hear a little bit, or can I sense a bit of a James Bond fan in you? Then, if uh, you are liking Omega, I I mean yeah, I I, I like Bond. <laughs> I kind of I'm I for someone that comes across as probably being a bit of an obsessive about stuff. Weirdly, that doesn't really stretch to franchises, mm. if you sort of mean. So, like, because I kind of love them all. Yeah, I think one of the weirdest things, and and one of the reasons why the the podcast has started kind of covers all these areas, is because I'm a I'm a I'm a lover of so many different things that actually it it like pinning it down to one hobby or one particular direction was never something I could do. Mm. So, and I, I think the same applies to my film preferences. I just love such a breadth yeah. of things. You know, like I love, I love all the kind of, I love the Bond films, absolutely. But I don't, and the books, I remember reading the books when I was a teenager, I, you know, I loved those, but I, you know, I have such a breadth of, same with music, I have such a breadth of stuff that I enjoy mm. that it kind of doesn't really, I wouldn't, I wouldn't characterize myself as a Bond fan, if you sort of mm. mean. Not, because mainly because I've got friends who are, proper yeah, Bond yeah. fans and therefore I'd be kind of like doing them a disservice to imply that I am I don't have any like <laughs> general knowledge about Bond other than what I might have picked up watching the films or reading yeah, the books sure. a long time ago um, but but aesthetic wise I kind of very much like that oh the fact is I'm I'm you know I'm I'm public school educated British so that kind of you know I speak the way I speak I, that, that always tends to attract a certain amount of that kind of, you know, my name's James. So, you know, <laughs> exactly um, kind of, it, it leans a bit into that. And I, and, and my dad was in the army, so I've been around the army all my life. So, so, and I'm quite an organized person. So I guess the sort of military thing kind of lines up a little bit with me. I've been, I get asked if I'm military all the time, um, or was military all the time. So I, yeah, yeah I, I can see how that kind of ticks. And to be honest, I have brand wise watches. I have, 
a fair breadth of brands. Yeah. Um, I have a few. I have maybe three, four Omegas. Um, wow. So now that now I think about it, I probably am. And I'm an, again with watches. I wouldn't categorize myself as being a particular fan of a brand, if you see what I mean. I kind of I'm I'm agnostic in my watch loving. I just love watches. And the same way that I love EDC, I love um, kind of stuff. <laughs> um, so a, we, it's a terrible we answer. No, but now I at least know what what your your watch choice would be. I would was really thinking that you would say the Tudor because that would be my choice as well. If I had a Tudor Black Bay, I wouldn't have thought about that you liked Omega that much and would choose it. I, I know that you like Omega, but I didn't expect it to be your one and only choice. Not sure why I thought that, but yeah, it's somewhat kind of, I thought you were a Tudor person. So, so or I, Rolex. I, I, yeah, I might have, I have a, a Rolex, I have Rolex Explorer 1, mm. 36 mil. That would have been a contender, but if I've got one watch, then in my mind, I'm thinking I want something that flies a little bit more under the radar. Yeah, understandable. Wearing a Rolex is is a target in mm. lots of ways. Sadly, the world we live in sure. today, uh, you know, and it's 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 overhyping it to say that it's a you're you're a target. But I live in I live in a town called Bath, which has been a six million tourists a year, um, and and therefore there is a certain amount of targeted crime. It's not mm. a high crime place because it's well policed and all that sort of stuff. But nonetheless, sure. you know, you wandering around wearing expensive, shiny things is is just a silly thing to do mm. when there's no doubt a certain criminal element targeting the tourists. Yeah. And when I lived in London, I mean it's London, you know, it's yeah. kind of the the any 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 nefarious thing you can imagine is probably going on in London at some point. So it's a uh, it's it's not a place to wear wear kind of bling. Understandable. Um Yeah. Weirdly, the, there's just been a. It makes it makes me think, and I'll, I'll please tell me to stop rambling if 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 you want me to. But <laughs> um, there's just been something called Dubai Watch Week, which is a watch event that happens yeah. out in Dubai. And one of the things that's come up in some of the coverage from, I'd say, like American journalists or European journalists, is how. Um, so Dubai is is basically crime free. Yeah. As in, I, I'm guessing punishment is so horrendous there that just there isn't that kind of mm. crime. And therefore, it's one of those strange places in the world where you can go to a big urban environment and and where you can be as blingy, as glitzy, yeah. uh, completely at your kind of will yeah. without ever thinking about am I putting myself at risk? Am I being a target? Am I, you know, am I likely to get mugged or something? Mm. And that's a really interesting mindset. I can't imagine having that mindset of just not having, not being, not having to think a little bit about what it is you've got with you, mm. on you. Um, I, I, I'll just quickly caveat that. I don't really have any watches that, that would fall into that blingy category. I'm not a blingy person. It's not my thing anyway, but, but nonetheless, it would be an interesting Than a thing to to be in that environment. To be honest, I, from my personal and very subjective perspective, I find most, if not all, of the blingy watches 
let's say how, how I feel about it. I f think they're ugly. <laughs> I think most yeah. of those blingy watches are very ugly. I just was thinking about the Rolex because from all of the pictures that I have seen, I feel that Rolex watches are very fitting to a Alox knife in terms of looks. They just look, they, they just fit in terms of visual appeal. They just look great together, in my humble opinion. Yeah, I, I completely agree. I think, well, they're two kind of stalwart Swiss brands, mm. aren't they? Uh, kind of emblematic of yeah. a particular thing in a sort of, uh, you know, one of them you think if you, I think, I mean, again, we, we're Europeans, aren't we? So our, our brains work in a certain way. I was going to say that if you think knives, you probably think Victorinox. In Europe, sure. to an extent, that'll be a mm. thing. I'm sure that isn't the case in the US at all, like you yeah, said. Probably um, but, but if, But almost universally in the world, if you think watches, you think Rolex. Um, so I think yeah. there's definitely there's definitely a comparison there, isn't there? They're yeah. both I, Rolexes were a tool. Yeah, you don't have to go a back that tool. far mm. to to see a point when they were a you know the uh, Rolex Submariner, you know the classic Rolex. Mm. That that was a proper tool watch, um, designed for a tooly job. You know, designed to be a daily watch that could do anything, and that's the the kind of this modern view of rolex being this sort of blingy thing is is probably the last 15 years if not less maybe the last 10 that's that, a shame. has been that big change and and it's it's i mean it's, it's happening across the watch world in general things get shinier if you see what i mean so like the the, the particular watches that have changed over the years um, and Omega is a great example. Omega are deliberately moving towards the jewelry sector. Mm. So they're moving away from from the sort of uh, brushed watches, you know, more tooly watches and moving to and they're even turning some of their classic kind of do everything, do it all one, mm. you know, buy one watch, do it, have it do everything thing. Like the Aquaterra is there is the used to be the classic kind of do everything Omega. Uh, really, I mean, a fantastic watch, and still is. The movement is, in, you know, still brilliant. Yeah. But the, the the version that came out maybe a year or two ago, it's just so shiny. They've just polished everything that it looks like jewelry, and that so it suddenly it becomes jewelry, and that's not in my mind. That's not what a watch is. It's not jewelry. It's it's you know it's it's a tool. I, yeah. I, I, I mean that. It, not everyone listening to this can see me but i mean that in in a sort of wider sense it's, yeah. i'm aware that a watch is completely useless <laughs> do you do you but, think that um speaking of moving to a different direction as you just said in terms of moving to a um jewelry space do you feel or do you, are you afraid that capitalism will kind of hit those traditional brands in terms of for instance an apple watch apple knows that no matter how expensive that watch is people mm. will exchange that watch latest two years after they bought it do you fear that a traditional watch brand is like saying oh we need to hit that market as well because people will then buy a new watch after two years let's make a rolex co-branded apple smartwatch so we can 
So totally. it, it already it already exists. As in, the watch space has has a huge range of uh, most watches. So the majority of watches bought and sold are are let's say sub a hundred euros. Mm-hmm. You know, our Swatch watches, our our you know, fashion watches, our yeah. kind of the the fairly generically mass produced watches. The majority of the numbers of sales are going to be that. Mm-hmm. Um, the actual number of of should we say like luxury watches has has gone down and is declining. Exactly. But weirdly, the value of those has gone up. So the Swiss watch industry, weirdly, as an aside, the Apple Watch was the best thing for the watch industry ever. Mm-hmm. It, it reminded people, it took people from never wearing anything on their wrist to being reminded that it's good to have something mm-hmm. on your wrist. Exactly. That actually, that they like that feeling of having something on their wrist and therefore it's pushed people into the watch space. Weird. Oh, interesting. Um, yeah, as in the, the, the watch industry has never been better. It yeah. is boomed. It is. I mean, it's expanded beyond all imagining, and it, and to a new generation because of the Apple Watch and all that sort of stuff. So I think the Apple Watch is a good thing in general. Mm-hmm. But in regards to changing kind of consumer habits, I, I the sort of the normal watch space because that's what we're really talking about. You know, the mm-hmm. regular watch space, I think, is as strong as it's ever been. You know, Go to almost any airport and have a look at a Swatch watch. That's a it's a great fun killer bit of mm. kind of consumer fun. Yeah. I, I say that patronizingly because I'm a watch person and therefore mm. I don't you know I, I I love watches of that type as well, but yeah. you know, I don't see them as being the same as as kind of the 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 the, the Omegas or the Tudors or the yeah, Rolexes, yeah. but. Um, I've actually forgotten the question in in my own ramble. <laughs> no, my question was: Do you think that something like a Rolex or a Tudor wants to get a piece of that smartwatch market because they see that people will continuously buy a smartwatch just to um, have the newest and greatest in technology? Do you think that Rolex? or Tudor or whatever um, traditional watch brand will or might venture into the smartwatch business? Um, So some of them, part of a number of brands that come under the Swatch group. So for example, Tag Heuer, Mm. they they make a smartwatch. Oh, I didn't know that. Um, And I'm trying to think of a number of other ones that might do. Um, I'm sure uh, Tissot. They're probably the the one of the earliest mm. kind of Swiss watch brands True, that, that has that. a. Yeah. Uh, they've had a long running range of sort of smarter watches, sort of mm. f- you know, falling into the sort of Annie Digi realm, and yeah. now moving it one more recently moving into smart watches or connected watches, should we say? If you think of like Casios mm. and that sort of thing, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah, having yeah. your Casio connected to your phone or whatever to for for various things is 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 more normal now. But in regards to the luxury watch brands and and i know lots of people would consider tag to be a luxury watch brand and it very much is but in the in let's say the rolex space or the tudor Mm. space or the omega space or i i don't think so i don't think they the usp is is different yeah i mean they're selling a you know you you, like sort of you know like a like a something made by gucci or louis vuitton Mm. or you know those sort of they they are luxury obscure niche products and i think mm. that is their selling point and therefore for them to to do anything different would or rather for them to stop doing that would be unlikely mm. in my opinion um 
to say that they won't dabble into other things, the great example being the two recent, so Omega, which is, or Omega and Blancpain, so which are both, again, owned by the Swatch Group. Mm -hmm. um, they, there was the, I don't know if you're familiar with the Omega Speedmaster. Yeah. Um, the one that went to the moon, the, you know, it's, it's kind of one of the most famous Omegas. They recently did a collaboration with Swatch. Yeah. Um, at the sort of with a sort of bioceramic cool, case, and they're they're really cool. They're really mm. fun. They're not that well made in the scheme of an Omega, but they're a Swatch. So they're a Swatch watch that looks like an Omega. If you see what I mean? Mm. That's, and I think that's the area where the they're kind of leaning into this idea that the Apple Watch created a, a market for watches, yeah, for for luxury watches. I think that's the them dipping their toes into that. Mm. And Blancpain, which is um, probably the, I think it is the oldest dive watch manufacturer. Probably they just pip Rolex to the post. They basically invented, invented is the wrong word. They were the first, you know, they, they were before the Submariner. Yeah. Just, and and a lot of my watch friends would roll their eyes and, and argue <laughs> with me on that point. But um, they just did a, the same again, uh, Blancpain, you know, collaborated with Swatch and produced a, I think it's maybe 300, maybe 350 euro watch, which is a sort of bioceramic or, or sort of plasticky um, version of one of their famous 50 Fathoms watch, which is a diving watch, um, which is super cool. I mean, I guess I've, I've shown my colors by saying that I think 350 euros is cheap. <laughs> um, it, it's not, but when, so let's say the, the 50 fathoms. In comparison the, yeah, to The Blancpain itself is yeah. probably, I don't know, 10, 12, 13, 14,000 euros, wow. let's say, for, for the 50 fathoms itself. So the fact that, you know, that's quite a, quite a cut <laughs> to, to be able to have a Blancpain <laughs> on your wrist for, for that sort of money is super cool. Obviously it's not, it's a swatch and I'm, I'm not denigrating it because of that but I'm, you know it's not a blanc pan but nonetheless yeah. it's fun to have that and and it opens the brand perhaps to those same kind of of course smart watch people yeah so yeah, maybe yeah. that's the the watch the sort of the stuffy <laughs> old school side of the watch industry trying to dabble its toes in mm. maybe a a younger market rather than necessarily a, a kind of technologically sure. advanced market because sure. watches are not technologically advanced in scheme of things you know like nothing tells the time better than your phone let's say it's, not techno technology advanced but mechanical masterpieces and that's oh, oh my a, god yeah yeah uh, that's the, what's from, interesting from a, about watches yeah. Yeah. i mean the idea of i i think that's one of the things i loved about watches when i first first experienced so fun enough the first the very first watch i was given was an omega um, mm. was an omega seamaster a little 36 or 35 and a half mil blue Seamaster that I was given. I was very lucky to be given it when I was nice. 17. Um, and I wore it solidly every day for nine years odd at that point. Uh, and that, it just blew my mind. It yeah. was this little ticking thing that essentially never stopped. Mm. It kept brilliant time. It was tough as anything. Yeah. You know, in my view, it looked the absolute business. It kind of, you know, that, that, the the fact and and I, it had a closed back so i couldn't see the movement 
but but I remember having the the you know, access to the internet and looking up what it, the thing inside looked yeah. like and finding pictures of it and going, that's what, wow. Yeah, and the totally. idea of having that on my wrist every day was just so cool. I know that some watch enthusiasts find it a little bit tacky, but I do love those windows, open bags where you can see what's going on inside. I like that a lot. Screw them. It's not tacky. They're wrong. <laughs> I mean, quite genuinely. The idea of having something that incredible yeah. and not being able to see it is just weird. Ah, it's so beautiful to look I mean, inside. There are some watches where it's kind of, it's not worth doing, but but by that I mean, so let's say there are, um, I, so for example, the watch I'm wearing today, this Black Bay 54, it's not a particularly pretty movement. It's still cool. Um, and as part of a collection, I don't bother. I don't mind that it doesn't have access to see the movement. But there are other watches that I have that have genuinely beautiful movements. They mm. are things designed to be seen. Yeah. And those, because I'm lucky enough to have a wide collection, I have some where I can see it, and and, yeah. and then I can be fine with those that don't. But of if course. if I was buying one watch, and the one I mentioned actually is the one as my one watch, that Omega that has a you know a, 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 a sapphire case back so yeah, you can yeah. see the movement and that's i think because i think that's so a real good, connection yeah. point with yeah, this exactly. ticking this little ticking up in exactly. a beating heart exactly. inside it's just so cool it's just such a little it's a little boy's you know you remember being a little boy and the sort of the, this this amazing little ticking thing mm. and it just this little life almost yeah i know i'm being prosaic now but it, it you know that no I it's think totally that's, that. that's what i fell in love with yeah and, and that's Same. never left me same as you can tell before i let you go uh, i want my last question we talked a lot about everyday carry watches and stuff but i would love to know what is your current everyday carry bag and can you just walk us a little bit through what you usually pack inside okay um you know you're not going to get a short answer bo i'm sorry <laughs> <for this. laughs> no worries um okay so the, no, the bag i'm really I... curious what <laughs> Um, it's yeah. Um, it's your funeral. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, the the. I'm sorry. I talk too much. When I because I have my own podcast. I I'm, it's no so worries. rare that I can just go off. <laughs> I try and you know control that. Effectively, I produce. It's good that for my wo voice. Actually, I don't have to but, talk that much, so my my voice isn't strained after this. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm glad there's some benefit to it. That's um, um. So my current everyday. Um, bag is and it's about to change actually but my current everyday bag is an able carry daybreaker 2 mm. that's the bag i use mm -hmm. most um and that in that i have uh two uh, that's essentially an empty shell most of the time um and i swap in and out of it a number of different pouches okay um and the two main pouches i use are a belroy desk caddy Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, and in that has all of my kind of computer accessories. So like yeah. it's, it's got the, my newly bought mouse, um, after, after our conversation before, um, yeah. and, and various cables and stuff that, could, that revolve around computers and that sort of stuff. Um, and then the second pouch is more my kind of, I'd say my EDC pouch. And that is a Alpaca, uh, I can't remember. No, no, sorry, not Alpaca. It's Air, A-E-R. Um, it's the... Slim, oh, they have so many. Yeah. Um, they do a slim one, mm -hmm. and it, it's 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 black X pack with a orange. I think I'm guessing nice. some another version yeah. of X pack inside. It's just it's super cool. It slips in. It's got a little handle on one end, which I love. 
Um, that's a really cool bit of kit. And in that, I have the usual kind of, you know, I've got a, I've got a little Nightcore power bank, mm -hmm. um, a load of various types of kind of chargey cable-y things. Um, I usually carry to my wallet, so that, pi that Pioneer sure. wallet. Um, what else is in there? Uh, there'll be a, some kind of knife, some kind of cutty thing. Mm -hmm. There'll be a torch usually, usually a backup. So often in, in the, I'll change various elements of what's in there in regards to my EDC, yeah. but then there'll be a sort of core that's always in there. So I have a little uh, night core, tinny, T-I-N-I, um, little titanium flashlight in there. Mm -hmm. uh, there is a there is a little classic um, Victorinox. Uh, I think it's called the Mini Champ. It might not actually be a Mini Champ. It might be a signature light, actually L I T. Okay. Um, but uh, a little a little Swiss Army knife, um, a Celador Swiss Army knife, um, and there is at the moment a couple of pens. I've been messing around with lots of different refills recently. Do you just, those um, small tidbits, do you just throw them into your bag or are they also in a different pouch? So those, those are all in that air pouch. Oh, oh, also, um, okay. So I all of the so tech stuff the air, is in, in I, I, I like, pouch. I don't like anything rattling around. Yeah. Um, the only thing I have rattling around is, are my keys and they go in the side zip pocket. Mm. Uh, and it has a little key clicker, yeah, which yeah, yeah. I, I don't always use, but essentially that, that's the only thing that goes in that pocket. I and, see. and then, so if I stop and want to access stuff, that, that bag doesn't have a great quick access option mm -hmm. other without opening the main bag. But to fix that, I basically have a number of pouches that I use cool. for different loadouts and I know which one's which. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I, I can you know, pull those out and use those as my quick access, if that makes sense. Um, and then I have, you know, I've got like a little... Uh, like that bag has stuffed in the outside has a you know a little mini umbrella and it has mm. a waterproof coat and because you know I live in the UK so yeah. it rains all the time um and then yeah I, I'm trying to think what I've what have I missed what's not in there um I, I assume you don't you don't need a computer then if you use um, the daybreaker um I I don't I do actually so I carry when I do I have my office has a has a big desktop computer mm -hmm. in it so I don't need a computer there. Um, other than when I'm editing the podcast, which now I do purely through my MacBook Pro. Mm -hmm. um, and that, the MacBook Pro I carry in a, I'm trying to remember what the brand is. Um, it's it's across the room for me. And I can see it, but I can't remember what the brand is. It's a, <laughs> essentially, it's a little slip thing yeah. that it slips into. Um, so that combined with the the little Bellroy thing is... is um, It's my kind of computer setup. And those two, so if I am carrying it, they do actually, weirdly, the Able Carry does, it does slip. So this is a 13-inch uh, MacBook mm -hmm. Pro. And it does slip, quite even in its extra case thing, does slip into the back of the of the Able Carry. Yeah. It's, uh, that Able Carry is a brilliant bag, genuinely. For, for my preference for, I've even stripped out the back padding from it. Oh, wow. Um, okay. As in, you know, it has a little zip that you can remove it yourself. Yeah, I've done that to allow the bag to be my kind of grocery bag as well. I so see. You know, I'm I'm going to and from not not my kind of major groceries, obviously, mm -hmm. but if I'm going to and from work and that sort of stuff, you know, picking things up that we're we're running low on, mm -hmm. you know, it's brilliant for lugging you know a four liter thing of milk or it oh, just has cool. that sort of voluminous space, and it's still surprisingly comfortable, you know, slung on your back. Mm. Yeah, I have it here, the Daybreaker 2, but I reviewed the Daybreaker 1, and for some reason I haven't tested the Daybreaker 2 yet. Um, um, I, I had the 1 too, um, and, and the upgrade to the 2 
it, I, I really enjoyed the one. I used that for about 18 months as my as my same thing, same job. Mm-hmm. And the, the little niggles that I wanted from that bag, they genuinely fixed. As oh, in, cool. it, was, it was pure chance. They fixed yeah, them yeah, for yeah. the two. To the point where I was like, well, I'm going to have to get this. They've, they've, they've almost like they've been listening in. <laughs> what were those niggles then? Um, so quick access was was one of them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it hasn't quite worked as well as I thought it would, but they added a, a little just within the main zip. They've yeah. added another little internal kind of quick access element. So you have yeah. to still have to open two zips. Um, but the first one didn't have that, and that didn't have anything really. Yeah. It did have another one, but not not useful size wise. And this does have that. Um, I'm trying to think what other bits and pieces were. Um, it was a uh, it was. I've had a, I've had a blank. I've been carrying this one for so long. I'm trying to imagine <laughs> the first one. Um, it was I'm pretty incremental stuff. Mm. Oh, I found a fact. One of the things. So the it's a top loader bag. Yeah. By that I mean you know you're, you're, I don't need to tell you what that means. It's a, yeah. <laughs> um, but and the the new version has on one side it, it has a full a little zip. Bit, yeah, it opens and a little that, bit. And little things like that have made sure. accessing for stuff like groceries a little bit easier. Yeah. I, I like top loading bags. I'm not a. I, I choose top loading over. You know the sort of full. I use Evergoods as my as my balance for that. You know, so it's a mm. it's a CHZ versus a CPL. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> if it makes sense. Um, totally. I mean, for everyday carry, I find top loading bags very useful. I just think that top loading isn't that great when you have a carry on backpack, for instance. Yeah. Um. There, clam. I do prefer clamshell, but I can see that top loading in an everyday carry scenario isn't that bad as some people might say or I have said before because it, it just works fine. I just prefer clamshell. Yeah. I yeah. I mean we're 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 in a space, aren't we, Bo, where where we're you know, we're overcritical about this stuff. Sure. The 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 function is often there, but we want the function to be that much more dialed in mm. to our preferences. And I think that I'm not. I'm not apologizing for that in any shape or form. But I just, you know, I'm sometimes aware. Like, I, you know, a friend will say, you know, can you recommend a bag for this out the other? And I'll fire ten questions at them, very specific questions. Yeah. And their look is kind of like, you know, it's a full sort of rabbit in the headlights <laughs> look of like, what? I just want a bag. <laughs> um, so I get our, our space. This yeah. is all, you know, we're in a safe space. This is this is our thing. Yeah. Um. But it's it. Yeah. It's kind of funny to see normies react yeah. to some of these things and and it's also really satisfying when you recommend a bag and they and they buy it and they love it and, and it, it fits kind of perfectly you know, yeah. yeah yeah and it and you've kind of you don't necessarily tell them why that bag i think yeah. that's the thing i've i've learned to not tell people why i recommend stuff to them i just <laughs> recommend it and they just hope i have I have a sort of you know network of friends who tend to just accept that if i'm recommending it i've mm. thought about why they want it and that sort of stuff yeah which is lovely but it's yeah um, and that's another reason why I started my own podcast. Yeah. Um, to, an opportunity to talk to people about this sort of stuff. Yeah, I'm looking forward to be a guest again on your podcast. Yeah. And um, I'm also uh, looking forward to talk a little bit about motorcycles and stuff. On yes. <laughs> yeah, Philip. Philip is, I mean, he's a proper biker. He's got moustache yeah. and everything that goes with it. Also well, the beard and the moustache. And, and he has he a beautiful bike, yeah. It's he a, has a beautiful, yeah, bike. beautiful Triumph. Yeah, um, actually, the the talking of Triumph, um, uh, did you see that Wingback have just done a little collab with Triumph? 
No, I didn't actually. Um, they've just, I think they've just done their pens, and it's a really nice kind of subtle collab as the way that Wingback tend to if they do it. But it may even be their first collab. I'm not sure actually. Well, the first kind of non-artist uh, collab. But oh, I've seen that, and they've got their new pouches so, yeah, too. Yeah, yeah. Interesting. No, I've I've seen a picture, but I didn't know what it is. To, to be quite honest, but that looks pretty nice. See, I love cool. I love Wingback's pens. Mm -hmm. um, I have a few of them, and the the the, the I th I think of them as more desk pens, if I'm honest. Yeah. As in they you know they live at either side. You know I have, I have home and and at work, but um, they're they're just such nice pens. They're such they're such a it's it's a slightly it's a non EDC pen if that mm -hmm. makes sense. It's like a it's, it's sort of heirloomy, like tactile, slightly yeah. weighty. I can't write pen. with with metal pens it hurts my fingers because i tend to kind of push too hard push hard yeah, yeah and that that these these have quite a rough knurling mm. so i'm not sure that would be a good fit for that yeah so um, i need some some rubber switchiness. yeah <laughs> it has it needs to be a little bit softer or a pencil or something like that but a metal pen just i like the weight of it i like the yeah. heft and as you said the tactile tactileness of uh, metal <laughs> pens but after i don't know after two sentences it, it's just not comfortable on my fingers unfortunately um yeah cool thank you so much for your time and answering all my questions and as i said i'm really looking forward to be on the form and function podcast again if people want to find you where can they find you um if they want to find me after this this um then it'll be a miracle but that's um <laughs> so yeah the the two options i giratal is my own personal instagram mm -hmm. Um, so that's amazing, just the word actually. gear et al, all one word. Yeah. Um, and you'll you'll find my my kind of um, boring pictures on there. Um, or form and function um, podcast, which is so so Instagram is form and function podcast, and then just form and function podcast dot com. Yeah. Um, and if you yeah. And uh, all of the other podcast. Um, uh, so so the actual podcast right? itself will will come up. I'm so used to doing the ending of our podcast now that <laughs> my brain goes into that mode. But yeah, the. Usually, you know, Apple and, and Google and Spotify, Spotify and all those yeah. ones. It should, it should, anywhere where you find the wonderful Bose Mono podcast, <laughs> you will find Hiding Around the Corner, yeah, the Form you and should, Function podcast. Everyone, you <laughs> should uh, listen to the first episode or the episode in which I was. It was a great talk and we had a lot of fun. And again, I'm really looking forward to the next episode that we hopefully will record soon. And yeah, thank you so much for answering all of the questions and taking the time. It was a lot of fun. And everyone, please follow James and the Form and Function podcast. All right. Hear you soon. Thank you very much. Cheers, bye.